You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. You remember in elementary school, some of you watching right now are in elementary school, and when we're allowed to meet in elementary school, for me, the greatest part of the day of school was recess, right? I loved recess. Uh, Sometimes recess was taken away if I had misbehaved in class, but for the most part, I got to go to recess, and it was my favorite part of the day is you finally, you'd work hard, you'd be quiet-ish and in class, and then they'd finally release you, and you'd run out, and people just spread out everywhere. Some went to the monkey bar, some went to hopscotch. I went to the ball field. We would go to the field with a group of kids, and which whatever ball made it there first was usually the game we'd play. Sometimes it was football, soccer, kickball, and inevitably, whatever it was, uh, we would have to split into teams. And so you would have two captains who were usually self-appointed captains, and they would start picking off the team. And they would choose one, one guy that was the strongest and the tallest, and then the next strongest and tallest, and, and it would work its way down and until there was just a couple kids left, and, and then until there was just one small, asthmatic little boy with a squeaky voice that would be left. But, but that's besides the point. Uh, you would split the teams, and they were supposed to be relatively fair. But as a captain, you were trying to have your best team, and so you would pick the best players. The best players that, at the beginning, the best players that were left, the best players in the middle. You're trying to have the best team. This is what it was like in recess. This is basically what it's like in life, right? When we're hiring, you're trying to hire the best person for the job. When you're looking for a spouse, you're looking for the best spouse you could have. And you're looking to be part of a team. You want to be the best team. But as we see in scripture, Jesus turned everything upside down, as he often did, and, and even in this case, when he could have picked any disciples that he wanted, when he could have picked the best and the brightest, he could have picked the, the students that were the best in the rabbi school, he could have picked the most perfect uh, line people, the, the smartest people, the most intelligent, the well-spoken, but instead, he chose zealots. Instead, he chose tax collectors. Instead, he chose uneducated. Instead, he chose average guys like fishermen. People like Peter. If you look at Peter, you would think, why would he have chosen Peter to be part of this team, let alone you eventually will see Peter to be the leader of this team of disciples? What did Jesus see in, in Peter? It doesn't make any sense. As, as we go through the scriptures, as we go through the gospels, you'll see trait after trait that the world would say are bad about Peter. And it was no different at that time. His characteristics, his personality weren't always attractive traits. And yet Jesus chose him. If you look at that choosing story with me, it's relatively brief and, and easy. It's in Matthew chapter 4. And it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. He was just a fisherman. Outwardly, nothing special. The one special thing that we see from this story is, He was willing. Peter was willing to follow God's call. 
Many people throughout time have been called to be part of God's plan, to be part of God's story. Perhaps you and I have been called. And at times we listen and, and at times we probably aren't paying attention. We miss the call when God presents an opportunity to share Jesus with someone. When we miss the opportunity to be able to reach out to a homeless person, to, to be able to love our neighbor, we miss those calls. And here, Peter didn't miss his call. So that's one trait we see that's great about Peter, was he was willing to follow God. But beyond that, as we continue on through the book of Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, we see so many traits of Peter's that the world would say are bad. We see Peter was headstrong and stubborn. We see Peter was spontaneous. We see Peter speaks without thinking. We see that he's passionate, but but not just like that good passionate, like overly crazy passionate. The kind of passionate that, that seems like it's too much and just in, intense. This is Peter. This is who Jesus calls. To get a glimpse of that, to be able to fully grasp what Jesus chose, I want to look at some stories in Peter's life. We'll look through them quickly just to see these characteristic traits to help kind of make, try to make sense of what was Jesus seeing. We see that Peter was spontaneous, right? There's a story in Matthew 14 that they're out in a boat and, and there's a rough storm and, and Jesus comes and he walks on uh, and he's walking on the lake and he calms the storm. And we pick up on the story in Matthew 14, verse 25. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come onto the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I love this story about Peter. Sometimes we see it and think, Oh, why did he not have faith? And he sunk. I see it. He had faith to get out of the boat. And he was spontaneous. Who, who does that? You see something strange and you're like, Hey, if it's really you, why don't I get out of the boat and go with you? None of the disciples thought that was a good idea. But here's Peter, spontaneous. He, he talks without thinking, and then he gets right out of the boat and starts to walk on water. The world would see Peter as spontaneous, almost reckless. The world sees that kind of person as unprepared and unreliable because they're always doing something new and going whichever which direction. But Jesus saw Peter, God's handiwork. And remember, Jesus said, come, follow me. Peter always had a way of speaking without, without thinking, right? You know those times when you've said something and you just kind of put your foot in your mouth and you're like, oh, why did I say that? When, when you've made a mistake and you regret saying, saying that comment, making that joke and doing something along those lines, and you just feel so stupid for days on end, this describes Peter's life, right? We see over and over Peter speaking without thinking. We see this at the transfiguration. 
Jesus has chosen a few disciples, John and Peter and, and James, and they, they've come up to this mountaintop with him. And it says, Matthew 17, After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them to a high mountaintop by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Then there was appearance before them of Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. It might not seem like a crazy Peter story, but here's Peter with the Son of God, with Moses and Elijah, people that have been dead for a long time, and he decides that it's his place to make a, make a decision, hey, let's build you a tent. Let's get you a home. You know, that he, he speaks up, and I love that it even says before he's done speaking, God just kind of ignores him, <laughs> brings in this cloud, and, and talks over him. Peter has this way of speaking without thinking. For much of society, much of the world, they would see this guy as, as a loud mouth. They would see this guy as reckless. They'd see this guy as he's always saying the inappropriate wrong thing. You wouldn't want him on your team. But Jesus did. Jesus chose him and said, come, follow me. For some, Peter would have been too passionate. That there's a, there's a point where passion is good, but then you all know that person that just gets overly passionate. That gets too excited when you're playing any kind of game. That gets too competitive. That gets so excited when you're, when you're watching something, when you hear good news. That person that's just overly passionate. This is Peter. The person that gets caught up in the moment. We see this in the Garden of Gethsemane. The soldiers have come to, to arrest Jesus, and, and it's not just a couple soldiers. It's, it's a whole giant group of soldiers have come because they think there's going to be an uprising. They think there's going to be a riot. So the, basically, the riot police have come to arrest Jesus. And it's just Jesus and his group of disciples. This would be an uneven match. This would be a, a, a battle that wouldn't last long, and everyone was on Jesus' side was bound to die had they had a fight. And so they come to arrest Jesus and says in John 18, verse 10, Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put away your sword. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Saying, Peter, step down. Your passion's going to get us all killed. Think, man, think. His passion overtook his thinking. His passion got him in trouble many times. His passion got him in trouble at this time. He would have started a little fight and it would have been quickly squelched with the death of all the disciples. People would see this kind of person and say, man, he is unhinged. He's out of control. He's driven by his emotions. He doesn't think. He just feels and the feeling gets him in trouble. We don't want him on our team. And yet Jesus chose him and said, come, follow me. So many reasons as we look at Peter, that Peter would have been a bad choice, that if you were picking a team and you're one of the captains, Peter's going to be the last person left. He's too spontaneous. He's too stubborn. He's too headstrong. He speaks without thinking. He's just driven by emotions. There's all these reasons to pick everyone else and Peter last. This is what we would see. But Jesus saw him 
knowing those traits and said, come, follow me. And I think it's because Jesus sees something different in Peter and in us. He sees those weaknesses, those personality traits that the world might see as bad. Jesus sees that could be used with him, with the help of the Holy Spirit to bring glory to God. That in our weaknesses, he is made strong. So we have another story from Peter's life, one final Peter's story, to be able to see how all these traits, what the world would see as bad, perhaps might have been why Jesus chose Peter. The story comes in Acts chapter 2. Jesus has come and he has died on the cross, and then three days later he rose again. He's walked about with the believers and, and he has sent, told them to, that their job is to go and baptize believers in the name of him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. He has then ascended into heaven and now they're in kind of disarray. They don't know exactly what to do. And they're at this festival in Jerusalem and there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews that have come and come to Jerusalem from all over the land. Many of them speaking other languages. It's an international group coming to this festival. And they see this great wind come around. And this great wind, and then it says something that looked like tongues of fire coming down, and it was the Holy Spirit. And the Jews are all wondering because they see the believers talking. And they're, they're talking somehow in the native tongue of all these Jews that have come from all over. That there's people wondering, how does he speak my language? And they, and they communicate, and this person seems like they can hear their language. And it's as if we were all coming together, and yet it sounded like I was speaking in German and Chinese and Spanish and Russian and, and so forth. And it's because the Holy Spirit has come down. And so the people are confused, and they're wondering what's happening, and the believers are looking at each other, and they know that Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit. They know that something like this was to happen, but they don't know. They're confused, and, and everything is up, upended, and everything is spontaneous, and they don't know what to do. And that's exactly when you need someone that speaks without thinking. Someone that lives in spontaneity. Someone that sees the Holy Spirit come down and passion and excitement and emotions are driving them. And so Peter steps up in Acts chapter 2. It says, verse 14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Peter then begins to preach. He preaches this amazing message. He preaches a message that convicts, this message that informs, this message that teaches. This is an uneducated fisherman. This is a guy that never has preached before. This is a guy that certainly shouldn't be speaking before thousands. This is a guy that didn't have this sermon written out and planned ahead. But this is a guy that Jesus said, come, follow me. And so for three years, he lived with Jesus. He learned from Jesus. He saw Jesus. For three years, he experienced Jesus' passion. For three years, he was part of this. And so Jesus chose him because of what the world might have seen as weaknesses or strengths. That at this time, when everyone is confused and there's thousands that are there, he begins to speak. <laughs> Maybe speaking without thinking. Maybe speaking spontaneously. Maybe speaking with a lot of emotion and passion, but he speaks. And the Holy Spirit works with his weaknesses to be strengths on that moment. 
And the chapter continues, it, it closes out, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. And get this, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 lives were changed. 3,000 eternities were changed. 3,000 went back to, to their native land and told others about this Jesus, about Messiah, about they've been saved. 3,000 families came to know Christ. 3,000 neighbors of those people would come to know and hear about Jesus. 3,000 that day because Jesus said, come, follow me, because Jesus saw a masterpiece, because Jesus saw the spontaneous a headstrong Jesus saw someone who spoke without thinking Jesus saw someone wrapped up in emotion and said this is who the Holy Spirit will work through this is where your weaknesses with him will make God's will be God's strengths and you look at Peter and it's not really much different from you and I I, I don't know about you I can't speak to you directly but I know I have a lot of flaws I know uh, I have things that I think, how could God ever use that? I get distracted easy. I got a squeaky voice. Uh, I get distracted easy, all right? There's lots of those kind of things. Uh, I have a short attention span, and it's proved me great, and God has been able to use that in ministry, that I'm able to quickly shift from thing to thing. When I was a youth pastor, it, it brought a lot of fun and excitement. What the world would see as a wiry little kid in a classroom that could never sit still and would have to miss recess because I got in trouble. God saw someone that could be used for his kingdom. How about you? What personality quirks, what, what traits, what things that maybe you think are weaknesses, maybe the world has been telling you are weaknesses that God could use as a strength. Now, I'm not talking about, now, sin, all right? There, there's a difference between that as a weakness, about giving into sin and, and about a, a, an addiction or something like that. That's not what God is looking to use as a strength. But part of who we're wired, those traits, those characteristics of who we are that the world has told us are weaknesses. The world has told us aren't favorable. Perhaps we're like Peter. And we just need to find the right opportunity to use those for God's kingdom. To be able to, to come, and when Jesus says, come, follow me, we see Peter's greatest strength was his willingness. Are we willing? When Jesus calls us to do something, when he calls us to reach out to our coworker or neighbor, when God puts this burden on our heart, when we see a homeless person, and, and not only do we just give them a dollar, but, but may we get out of a car and just sit and talk to them and have a conversation. When God puts that on our heart, are we willing to do that? Despite whatever weaknesses the world has told us, perhaps maybe if you, you're, your personality, you're an introvert or an extrovert, you're logical or passionate, you're a deep thinker or spontaneous, you're a spender or a saver, 
you're a planner or a procrastinator. You're quiet or loud. You're a morning person or night owl. Whatever it is, the world can look at it as a weakness and God can see that as a strength for his kingdom because he's saying, come, follow me. Are we willing? And are we willing to look outside of ourselves to be able to see first what God sees? One of my favorite verses is Ephesians 2, chapter 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Another version says, for we are his masterpiece. Have you ever thought about that? You are God's masterpiece. You are his handiwork. And so when you look at maybe your flaws, realize this is how God has made you for a reason, that those could bring glory to God. And maybe look outside of yourself and, and look at the person next to you. Maybe you're at home with your family or with a spouse or a roommate. And look at that person now. <laughs> and you probably know some of those flaws. Maybe some of those are similar flaws to Peter. Maybe that person's too spontaneous or emotional. Maybe they, they speak without thinking, whatever that would be. You might know their flaws, but also know that they are God's masterpiece. And for God's kingdom, those might be strengths. And so take a second, if you're here in this room, the few people here, or if you're watching online, turn to the person near you and say, you are God's masterpiece. Go ahead, take a second and do it. Because you are God's masterpiece. Each one of us is his handiwork. This is God's view. He loves us. He loves us so much he sent his son to die for us. So much are we his handiwork and his masterpiece that he sent his son to, for, to take away our sins on the cross. And the sins, the penalty of sin is death. And, and he took on that death and then he conquered it and he rose. He conquered our sins and he wiped them clean that we would have eternity. And if, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to do so and reach out to us. And send us an email. Give me a phone call. Let us know and so we can walk you through what that looks like. What the next steps would be to accept Jesus as your Savior. How does it look like to grow in him? Because you are his masterpiece. So why would Jesus choose Peter? He's spontaneous, he's overly passionate, he's too quick to speak, he's stubborn. Why would he choose me with all my flaws? Why would he choose you? Because in our weaknesses, God is made strong. Because he has chosen us because we are his masterpiece to do great works that God has planned for us. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, come, follow me. And he's looked at you. And he said, come, follow me. We have a little video to, to further illustrate this point of being able to see in the midst of what others see as a weakness, perhaps someone could see a strength. 